The Bible Study Podcast, episode 640. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues a study of the book of Galatians with Galatians 3. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We get into Galatians 3 today, where we talk more about this whole thing about faith or works of the law. And Paul shows a little anger here. Faith or works of the law, Galatians 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand, then, that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. A nation will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Okay, so a couple different things there. One is he's mad. He's mad because how could you have walked away from the truth? Basically, how could you have fallen for this? Did all of the things that happened when I was there, all of the faith that grew, all of the miracles you saw, did any of that have to do with any of you being circumcised? No, you weren't. It happened. So it happened before that. It wasn't related to that. So why did you think you now needed to be circumcised? Why did you listen to these people who came in with this other message? And then he says, similarly, Abraham we were told he was saved not because he was circumcised, even though the Old Testament doesn't say that. Circumcision was done as a mark of the covenant that was made. As a sign of the covenant that was made, he he and his family and his servants were circumcised. But what it says is that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And the writer of the book of Hebrews will go into more details about that, or Paul will in Romans, talking about how you don't credit someone what they're due. That basically he didn't earn his way, he believed, and that was treated as righteousness. That God 
gave him righteousness in, some, in effect on credit, that he didn't earn his way to God, but he believed, and it was his faith that made him the man that God chose. And then he says that basically all of us are again still saved by faith. That it's faith that we do, not the works that we do that leads to our salvation. It's a faith in what God has done. And then he talks this thing about the law and says the law is under a curse. That basically if you decide you're going to be saved by the law, you have to do everything right. And I mean everything right. That the way to God through the law was to follow the law all the time in everything. And the problem, as Paul will later talk about in the book of Romans, is that all fall short, that all have sinned. And so the law is really good at showing us what is the right thing to do, but it's not really good at getting us to do the right thing, um, which is sounds a lot like a curse. I mean, that that is not a good thing. And this is someone who is still trying to follow the law as best as he understands it. Paul doesn't reject his Jewishness. He just doesn't think that that is how he was saved. He was saved when he encountered the risen Lord. He was saved when he found out what Christ had done for him. And he doesn't get any more saved for being a religious Jewish Christian than he would have if than he would be if he was one of these Gentile Christians. That he gets no extra credit points for circumcision or for following dietary laws or any of that. That the law doesn't do that. That doesn't isn't capable of doing that. And so it says that Christ became a curse for us. Christ was crucified for our behalf. That Christ took the price of that failure to meet the law on himself in our place. And that because he became cursed, we can live. And then it continues, the law and the promise. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God, and thus does not do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise, but God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Let me pause there in that part. So what he's saying is, yes, Jewish people have the law, and yes, they have the covenant through Abraham, But those were not at the same time. Abraham was not given Ten Commandments and said, Abraham, you are my person, just make sure you follow all these things. Abraham was given acceptance by God through his faith, right? It was credited to him as righteousness. And later on, as the people of Israel are coming out of Egypt and they're becoming a nation, God chooses to give them the law so they'll better understand how they should behave towards him and towards each other. But he says that doesn't do away with this promise given to Abraham, that they were chosen 430 years before they were given the law. So even the Jews 
are not just people of the law, they're people of the covenant, they're people of the promise given to Abraham. Continues, why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised, being given through faith in Christ Jesus, might be given to those who believe. Again, let's pause. And so he's saying the law was given because of all the things that were being done wrong in promise to the time that Christ would come that the law was, in some sense, a stopgap measure might be the, the best way to phrase it, that the law was to tell us how to behave towards each other. But, of course, Christ will clarify that, which is the way you behave towards each other is you love each other, and therefore you keep the law. Therefore, the, the ways that you would behave towards each other are appropriate and true and right and good because you act out of love. Not because you act out of a law, but because you act out of love. And so the law is an imperfect form of what Christ will later on bring. And then lastly, children of God, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So he's basically using this analogy that the law was like we were children whose parents had died and money had been left in trust. And so we were heirs and yet could not take advantage of that until we reached a certain age, right? That's the way that would work with the trust. It says the law was our guardian. The law was to help us to get to maturity, the maturity being the faith in Christ. And that once that maturity comes, once that faith in Christ comes, then you no longer need a guardian, and that you no longer are in this half-air sort of place, that you are now fully recognized as children of God. And all of us, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female, all of us, he's saying, are one in Christ. All of us are equal in Christ. All of us are the same status. Again, no extra points for circumcision, no extra points for being Jewish, no extra points for a lot of other things we might want to add extra points for. When I go in and do prison ministry, God doesn't love me more for doing prison ministry, nor does God love me more than the prisoner who I'm ministering to, that all are in Christ and all are one in Christ. 
With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.